Hello and welcome once again to the Dave and Marlo Show. This week featuring 100% more Marlo. Yay! The snow's cleared up in the Midwest. How are you doing today, my friend? Man, nice and warm. Thankful for that snow to be going. I'll say that. <laughs> Definitely great to be back. Yeah, it is good to have you back too, although we thank Adrian Bernicic for filling in all the way from Australia. That's the way it works nowadays. You uh, miss out on someone, they have to cancel out, and you just make a call halfway across the world, and someone is with you right there. But Adrian has a family and a daughter and all kinds of things going on, and so, you know, we thank him for filling in. Oh, boy, we have a mixed kind of week. There was a big gap in between one of those wonderful rests that the Blazers need so much. Uh, they lost last Friday to the Denver Nuggets in fairly convincing fashion. They did okay in the first half, but second half goes bonk. Uh, and then it was the inverse against the Charlotte Hornets at home, whom they should have beaten easily, but uh, Charlotte gave them a run in the first half and Portland blew them away in the second half. Uh, thoughts from those games or on how the Blazers are doing right now? You said it right, just the inverse and how we kind of expected it to go. Um, I was definitely a little bit worried in that Hornets game. You know, the Hornets were coming in, I think they were on their fifth game, on a six-game road trip uh, in the Western Conference, so you kind of expect Portland to come out with, with some legs and get out in transition and get going, and next thing you know, you're down almost double digits in the first half. So it's great that they were able to kind of flip that switch. Um, and, and I guess at the end of the day, going one and one, I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think that's what you kind of expect. Um, so definitely a tough loss to Denver, but, you know, you'd be able to bounce back and give yourself some momentum going into the, the a pretty, pretty breezy November. All right, not November, January. <laughs> yeah, going backwards. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Hornets game was curious. I mean, the effort was really suspect in the first half. Let's talk about that in a minute. But the Blazers did not have a huge advantage in three-pointers. They had an advantage in percentage. They shot 50%, but the Hornets shot 40%. And for Charlotte, that's like that's that's like a lottery ticket. That's They're not a, a good shooting team at all. Portland only hit 14 three-pointers when Charlotte hit 12. That's nowhere near enough. But how the Blazers ended up turning it around was 25 fast break points and 52 paint points. So when the girl who brought them uh, wouldn't dance or was dancing with the Hornets too, they instead went to the sidelines and uh, did a little jig and a boogie with uh, other team's strengths and came out ahead. I guess you manufacture a win however you can, right? And the jig and the boogie they did. I love the fact that they were able to uh, kind of get some up-ball movement going with, with Anthony Simons. It had been a rough stretch for him over the last couple of games. Uh, I think they talked about it. He had went three straight games without 20 points, which is almost like just unheard of for him. And it's definitely definitely troublesome when he's not, you know, defending well and doing all that too. So getting him going early, I thought that was a, a big big game changer for them. And, of course, you can, you got to talk about Yusuf Nurkic, career high five three-pointers. Um, just a great, a great way to – Come home and get a win. That's the best way you can put it. Let's talk about both of those things. Let's start with Simons, because that's the more difficult subject, perhaps. Now, he did score 18 in this game, and he came out, and I think he scored seven or eight right in a row in the first period. It was like the Blazers were going to him to get him going early, and it worked, and that was great. But then after that, he only scored about 10. Uh, he was six for 15 on the evening, three, three of eight on three-pointers, which is fine. But... Uh, did not, I mean, he only drew three foul shots. He he shot uh, about 40% from the floor. Uh, he's, look, it doesn't escape me that 
when they went to him directly, he produced. And as soon as they stopped doing that, he went kind of back into his groundhog's uh, cave and made it look like there's six more weeks of winter for his game. Yeah, it was a, a really weird game overall. You know, Damian Lillard had, you know, four assists in the first, like, two minutes. Didn't take a shot in the first five minutes. Um, Simons, they were doing really good with the pin downs and the uh, dribble handoffs, whatever, getting him going. Um, and after that, it just kind of went away from it. But I think that's, you know, sort of to be expected when you've got so many different scorers on this team. You got, you got three guys averaging 20-plus. Then you got Yusuf Nurkis coming in and playing well. But just the fact that Portland was able to kind of get out in transition, because Lillard had talked about that just in terms of uh, getting out and trying to avoid playing set defenses, getting off-ball movement, things like that. So uh, I think it's, it's definitely reassuring, and I think it's not too long before Simons gets back into his, his normal groove. But let's talk about this for a minute, because... I mean, does Anthony Simons need to take cuts here? I get it that they have a lot of scorers, and poor Josh Hart is terribly underutilized. I think Yusuf Nurkic could make an argument that on some nights he's underutilized too. But I get it. They're supposed to be the fourth and fifth scorers and do other things for this team. Anthony Simons is not necessarily equipped at 23 and playing shooting guard, by the way, which is a scorer's position. He's not equipped to do all those different things. It's not expected of him right now, which means that if he's not scoring, it's not really, you don't get his full game. I mean, or you you don't get like 80% of his game. Do, do we need to say, hey, you know, Jeremy Grant, it's great that he's averaging 22, but he can do lots of things. And we need to understand that without Anthony Simons as that top three scorer, scoring 20 points a game, the Blazers are just kind of ordinary. And, and let Ant cut ahead a little bit and make sure you get him plenty of shots and plenty of good looks uh, every game? I think it's just a simple matter of, of understanding how this team is going to work. You know, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of the uh, the Wizard days back in the back in the 90s and 2000s where there were so many different mouths to feed. But as long as they're getting efficient shots, um, I think that is something that they can kind of live with. If you look at the Blazers' numbers, I remember at the beginning of our, our podcast, we talked about how they were really good against the free throw line, weren't taking as many three-pointers. And now you look at it, and they're, they're one of the top three-point teams as far as tips and, and efficiency and whatnot. So that kind of that kind of fits into Simon's game. So um, if he just continues to do that, um, it gives him a chance to kind of showcase other parts of his game that we don't talk about as much. Um, but it's, 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 it's a weird situation here having so many different so many different mouths to feed in this offense, for sure. You can't miss the fact that, okay, and, and again, correlation is not causation. I know it. But in the back of my mind, it's tickling a little bit that when they were getting inside and getting all those free throws, they were winning. They're the best three-point shooting team in the league right now, and they're playing slightly below 500. Injuries have something to do with that. Defense is a bigger cause. I get it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But do you think they might throttle back a little bit on the threes and make that concerted effort to drive, punch the ball inside with Simons even, let alone with Lillard and, and draw the more fouls? Or do you think they're just too fragile to attempt that night in, night out for 82 games? I'm not sure about fragility, but I would say that it has something to do with maybe fatigue. Um, I think at the start of the year, obviously your, your legs are much fresher. And if you play basketball, then it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a mental thing where you're thinking to yourself like, hey, I'm more comfortable shooting this this contested shot than I am getting all the way to the basket into the teeth of a defense and, and taking a foul. Um, but I was just looking at the numbers like in October, 24th and three point attempts, November 24th and three point attempts, and now they're they're in, the, in that top ten area this this past month. So it's been a, a big change for them. I'm not sure that they can go back to what they were doing at the beginning of the year, but I think in certain matchups, you know, you can sort of get into that. But 
that 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 as long as I, the way they play right now, it's a very slow pace, um, and you just can't be inefficient with it. You have to make sure that you 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 avoid being high in turnovers, and that's something I think they can kind of control. They had eight of them in the first quarter against Charlotte, but if they can kind of maintain that and then keep the efficiency up with that slow pace, I think they can be and they can they can um, do some good things. I can't help but think that if <laughs> if Josh Hart got the ball more, and I, again, I'm, now I'm going against what I just said a little bit, but again, I think Anthony Simons can do this too. I mean, he likes to drive. He just doesn't like to get all the way to the cup. He likes to pull up, right? But Hart, Simons, even Grant a little bit, getting the ball inside, I think I'd like to see it more. And I agree with you. It's a, it's a fatigue issue a little bit. But part of that is also because they don't have a bench. And they don't have a bench right now because everybody's injured. But even before, they were kind of playing the starters fairly big minutes. Is, is that part of it? Is it like, okay, we have to play our starters 35, 38 minutes in order to have a chance to win. You cannot expect them to go hard, uh, especially expending extra energy on offense uh, for those 38 minutes. So you know what? Shoot the three. Let's take it easier on some possessions and try to uh, manufacture some points. Uh, whereas before we were, you know, breaking through the door to get them. Yeah, I, I think that fatigue factor is everything. And I think that at the second half of the year, maybe we'll see them kind of revert back to that. But uh, just just thinking about last week with the Oklahoma City games, they took nine nine free throws all game in that, in that, uh, that first game, I think it was. Oklahoma City at 25. In the second game, they took 21. Oklahoma City took 37. So it's just it's, it's tough to win games when you're just relying on, on perimeter shots the entire game. Um, last 10 games, they they 20.9 free throw attempts. That's the fifth worst in the NBA. They were number two in this in October so. Um, just, just seeing that, that big change is going to be tough to, to kind of deal with, especially on those nights where you got Simon shooting, you know, six for six, six for 15 and, and Dame doesn't have it. It's going to be tough. So I think if they get days off and rest, they can kind of take advantage of that. But if not, it's going to be tough because you don't, you don't lose to a team like that. Um, and you think you're going to be a postseason contender like that. So, yeah, I mean, and it is a massive change when you put those two together, huge increase in three point shots, significant decrease in free throw attempts and how that works out for the Blazers. I mean, hey, hey, look, it's like seeing an addict kind of go back to their hit. You know, it's like, well, no, I can control this. You know, I can, I, I know I did this for years and it wasn't the greatest, but, but I got it this time. And you're going like, okay, okay, let's, you know, uh, I want you to shoot those threes. I mean, do it responsibly. Uh, <laughs> If you have a problem, call one eight hundred three pointer, and we have counselors standing by. I, I just want a few free throws too to make sure that that balances out. Uh, speaking of Lillard, let's dive into this. Uh, oh, we got to do Nurkic too, but let's do Lillard first. There was a suggestion made in a mailbag uh, that I kind of answered. Uh, that okay, Damian Lillard breaks Clyde Drexler's scoring record, and he arguably the greatest trailblazer of all time. We get all the emotions. We get all the cheers. We get all the charisma. We get the face of the franchise. Clearly the most influential player that has ever put on a Portland uniform, granted. But if you just look at his blind stats right now, they are very, very, very good. But is he really still distinct from a dozen other players in the league? And a dozen is a small number. I mean, if you, if you got top dozen, you're good. But you know what I mean? Like, Blazers rate Damian Lillard greater than any other player in the universe, even right now. They The list of people they traded for is like three, maybe. Uh, is he really that good 
Or do the Blazers and Blazer fans kind of overrate what he brings to this team because all the rest of the stuff is so good? I think I end up putting myself on like the latter side of that, um, just because of the, the last time we seen Damian Lillard in a in a, in a postseason game in which you know, all the marbles were on the table, he dominated. He he was absolutely brilliant against Denver. So I'm not buying too much into the regular season in terms of how he plays, and they're they're going to be nice where he just offensively he doesn't have it. But in the postseason, I I love his chances of of continuing to do what he did. And when you talk about a guy like Clyde Drexler, I think it was was kind of similar. You look at the numbers. They were on a little bit of a dip when he got into his 30s after that that 92 season, and it, it just sort of to sort of slip away a little bit. So that Lillard is still, you know, in contention for that top 12 spot in the NBA. I think is it's, it's definitely reassuring. Um, and and just on the note of Lillard in that Charlotte game, I, I love I love the way he defended. You know, Terry Rozier, a 20 point score. Lillard takes on that assignment, and he he, he Rozier shot 0 for, 0 for 7 in 31 possessions. Um, so just seeing that kind of effort from him, I think you can you can be inspired by that. Um, and come postseason time, I think that he'll, he'll definitely, you know, show both sides of that too. So, yeah, well, I mean, and to the point, okay, let's let's look at Lillard's last four games. First game against the Thunder, nine for seventeen from the field, six for twelve from the arc for twenty-eight points. The typical fantastic Lillard performance, right? Second game versus the Thunder, six for nineteen, two for eleven, sixteen points. Kind of falls off a cliff. Now, again, perspective. 16 points, you suck. Well, for 90% of the NBA, that's a great night. All right, so we understand that. But, you know, measuring Dame against Dame. Uh, you have the Nuggets then. Lillard goes 10 for 22, 4 for 11, 10 for 10 free throws, by the way, 34 points. A superlative Damian Lillard game. I mean, just fantastic. And then you got the Hornets game, 5 for 18, 1 for 10 from the arc, 17 points. So right now, I mean... At the beginning of the season, it was feast, 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 you know, 30 points a game. Like, this is incredible. He's back. Now it's like, okay, great night, bad night, great night, bad night. What's going on here? I mean, is it just a regular season that doesn't matter? Or is Dame really struggling? Is he being defended better? What do you think's going on? I think there could be a little bit of a discussion about, you know, the, the, the losing of a step when you get a little older like that. I think the one thing that, that really stands out to me is the, the amount of three-point attempts. You know, a lot of these nights, 19 field goals, 11 three-pointers, 18 field goals, 10 three-pointers, so a lot more three-pointers than normal. Um, and you see that in his three-point rate. You know, 60% of his shots have come from the three-point line. So I think it's not not seeing as much of that that driving to the basket, not as much mid-range, not as much getting to the line uh, compared to what we would normally see. Um, but like I say, I think that, you know, when he gets hot, there are a few players that can do what he does. So I, I don't, I don't concern myself too much with that actually yeah let's follow up on that okay in those games you have oklahoma city one uh where 12 of damien's 17 attempts were from the three-point arc yeah. so that's i mean that's a huge number 11 of 19 in oklahoma city two you have denver where it's 11 of 22 so that's down to half now and half of your shots from the arc for dame is is down now that's a that's a less he held back uh and then 10 of 18 uh against charlotte so to your point huge number of threes relative to the number of shots he's taking now we're not counting free throw possessions which are shots but he's getting fouled on okay the difference is you know one make six makes two makes four makes. So, I mean, you're getting the, the shutout innings and it just kills him if he's not hitting the three. Or, if he eats a reasonable amount, he's going for 30. And that right there might explain Damian 
Lillard's offense as of December 2022. These numbers are just fascinating to look at. I know I, I, I rarely see players that have career highs in both three-point rate and free throw rate. And he's also taking up the, the most possessions of his entire career, two per game at 31.8. So it's really weird, but I'm willing to give him a little bit of a pass just because of the fact that this is the first time he's ever had two 20-point scores on the same team as him. So everybody's kind of got to ease himself in and out. Uh, they're probably trying to figure out how to deal with chemistry, how to take over certain games. And, and you see it with, with Anthony Simons. There are times where he will go a whole quarter without getting a shot. And there are other times where he takes five or six in a quarter. So definitely an adjustment period for everybody involved. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a fascinating stat sheet looking at him for sure. Well, and the two may be linked somewhat because how is Dame getting his threes? So some of them are ISO. You know, he just has the ball up top. He's going to take it. So a lot of them are off a screen. But Simons isn't involved in those screen plays on either way, right? And by the way, when Lillard comes off the screen with the big man, Simons' man isn't moving, right? Because Lillard's not penetrating. So Simons has a guy on him all the time, and his guy's not going away. When Lillard drives, at least he draws some defensive attention, one. And number two, Simons can move around him. Like, you know, you can move to, a, to create an open passing lane. So if Lillard gets stopped, then you've got the kick out to Anthony for the three. That's not happening when Lillard is taking the threes himself. And I think that, that that's part of, you know, and, and if you have to ask me, yes, of course you get Dame off first. I mean, he's the number one option. He's the heart of the franchise. If Dame ain't happy, nobody's happy. If Dame ain't scoring, this team ain't winning in the playoffs. So, yes. But the cost can be significant, I think, if you really want this team, as is, to succeed. you got to mix up the offense enough to get Ant in there, too. I agree with that. And I kind of wanted to ask you, um, one thing that I've kind of seen from watching watching the games, the Blazers play a lot better when it's when it's just Dame and Simons is on the bench. And I don't want to just say this to discredit Simons because he's, an, he's a sensational player. But the Blazers struggle when it's Simons and it's not Lillard. Do you kind of worry about that being a – like Denver, Denver, they have a situation where when Jokic leaves the game, they just get just destroyed. And Portland, I think, is is it's the numbers probably say something similar. Do you do you notice that too? Well, you know what? I think it's true, but I think it might be semi-avoidable, and I might be wrong about this, because when Simons is running the second unit, the Blazers are still trying to run an offense, their offense. Which, granted, I mean, this is Chauncey Billups, point guard, right? This is Detroit Pistons team. And the Blazers are kind of not exactly patterned after that. But if you have to pick a championship model that the Blazers could hew to, Detroit's pretty close. I mean, they'd like to be Miami, but they ain't got Shaq and they ain't got great defenders. So, I mean, that's not going to happen, right? Maybe Boston-ish now, but Boston now hasn't won a title. So you're looking at, you know, there's some Chauncey connections, Detroit connections. And they were a team, always played as a team. All right. What I want is I want... When the second unit comes in, I want Reggie Theus to step in and coach this team, right? Uh, I don't want Chauncey uh, anymore. I don't want Ant running the offense. Here's what I'd like. Oh, Dame just sat, and you got Jabari Walker and Trendon Watford around you right now because the whole middle bench is injured? You know what, Ant? I want to see you score 20. If you don't try to score 20, I'm going to bench you and put Dame back in. And you know what, everybody else, there's a reason that, you know, your number is not single digits on the back of the uniform and they're not calling your name on the Jumbotron at the beginning of the game and you're slapping hands with kids handing out T-shirts because you're Jabari Walker or you're Trendon Watford. And I love those guys, by the way. It's no insult. But I don't want Anthony Simon setting them up. 
I want those guys going and getting Ant's rebounds because they know he's going to shoot it. They got one job. Go do it. Let him score. And I, I want to see Ant set loose a little bit more. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care if he brick shots. I don't care if it looks bad because he either develops into it and it doesn't look bad anymore or it's an utter failure and you go, you know, we don't have an Anthony Simons what we thought we had. Well, one way or the other, stop making him into a reserve point guard because he's kind of that, but also kind of not. I agree with that. I can't match you, you know, joke for joke with that, but I, I, I definitely agree. When you got Lillard and, and Jokic, I mean, Lillard and, and Nurkic, on the bench, I think you absolutely have to go out and run. You know, I, th- I think that's the best way to, to win games. Uh, you got so much energy on the bench. You know, Trina Walford, he's a guy that can take it off the glass and he can run full court. Jabari Walker, he shows flashes of that. And I think that kind of benefits Simons too because he's not a guy that, that can only score the ball in isolation and pick and roll. He can get out in transition too. So I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that. Um, it's wishful thinking, but <laughs> it'd be nice to see them kind of go into that a little bit more. Well, here's another thing. You know, other than Terry Rozier, you're not guarding anybody's backcourt. I mean, LaMelo Ball went 10 for 26 and scored 27 points. Shai Gilgis Alexander put the Blazers in swaddling cloths, stuck a binky in their mouth, and scored all around them as if they didn't exist. You just stay there. I'll handle this, right? Uh, It was, it's, uh, Jamal Murray, let's not even talk about that. Another game winner. And he went 9, 17, 25 points. Look, they're not guarding anybody in the backcourt anyway. Can they let Simons release? You know, Ant's not grabbing that offensive rebound. They got really good, or sorry, defensive rebound. They got really good rebounders in there. Josh Hart is rebounding his heart out. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is great. Even Jeremy Grant sometimes has great nights. Can you just, when the shot goes up, can Ant run out? And Nurkic grabs, spins, and hits him because the guy won a slam dunk championship and you wouldn't know it. You know, he gets as many dunks as Kenny Skywalker does right now. And he's been out of the league for 30 years. So uh, do something to, to, to boost him up and, and, and let him be different. Now, let's talk about Nurkic. The big thing. I don't know if you've watched the Blazers end of these broadcasts. Oh, boy, they are crowing about Nurkic and his three-point shot. 46% he is shooting. Uh, how do you feel about that whole development? Do you think it's sustainable? Do you think it's a good thing? Do you trust Nurk? How is all this striking you? Without a win in January, I feel a little bit better about it. Uh, this was November. I'd, I'd be a little bit more skeptical. Um, but I think that Jason Quick, he wrote an article about this, how he's been able to kind of walk the tightrope and, and, and kind of uh, understand the difference between being aggressive and being cautious about how he's taking them. So I think that was the best thing about his that game against the Hornets. In that first six minutes, he passed up four or five shots that he could have taken and, and got into dribble handoffs and screens for the guard. So um, him, him managing to be aggressive and finding his shots then is, is is definitely inspiring. And whatever they said to him in the locker room after that after that first half, after those first couple of turnovers, it, it definitely worked because he, he that was one of the best first halves I've seen him play and and our best one of the best games I've seen him play in quite some time. This is a bonus for Nurk, right? This is the, you know, you did good. Here's your allowance. Go get some ice cream. And ice cream's good. I mean, his stroke is better, right? When you look at it, when I look at his stroke now, I'm going like, oh, that's going in. I'm like, wait a minute, that's Nurkic. No, that's going in. So, I mean, do you feel, when you watch him shoot, are you feeling more comfortable? I'd say so, yeah. Especially when the defense kind of kind of sags off because the Blazers like to use him as like a trailer. It takes him a long time to get up the court, so... You can kind of get him into that that DHO, and, and, and if he's open, he's going to take that shot. Um, and, and the way the Hornets played him, the, the distance between me and him may, has been, may as well have been me and you. It was so far away. Like, plenty didn't want to guard him on those three, so 
he was able to get open shots throughout the night. Um, and I, I, the writing was kind of on the wall. I remember in the summer when he was playing in, in was it Bosnia? He was, he was shooting three-pointers, and people were like, oh, I don't know if this is going to translate. And that's exactly what it's done. It's translated extremely well. Yeah. Okay. So, kudos and applause to Nurkic. Do you think this is going to change the game for Portland? Is this a game changer? Is this worth getting super excited about? Yeah, and uh, Quick's article, he talked about it opening up their playbook a little bit. And if they got him on the three-point line, you know, it opens up different sets you can run. Because now defenses have to kind of fear it. And there was a situation in that Hornets game where they, uh, it was Nurkic and Grant both out on the three-point line, and, and they kicked it out to Nurkic. And uh, P.J. Washington was trying to decide how he was stunting. He was going to go at Nurkic and, and Grant. So if you have to think about that, I think it's definitely something that benefits you because now they got five guys on the court that can score from, from deep. So it's it definitely something that I think opens up their game a little bit, especially if they mix in those pick and rolls and get him going to the basket. He still has a couple of um, terrible turnovers that I just I can't really wrap my head around. But I think he's he's played. Play. I like like he had one. It, it was a pick and roll, and and Lamelo Ball was was kind of late coming over from that weak side to kind of get him. And in that situation, you've got three different options. You got hey, you got a free pass to the basket uh, with your right hand. If you don't, you're quick enough. You can get a post up on 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 Ball. Or if not, you got a wide open Keon Johnson in the corner, and instead he barrels in the barrels in the ball and gets a travel. And it's just like I don't I don't understand how that happens. But when he's on his game, I think he's 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 definitely one of the the, the top centers in the league, no doubt. I mean, I agree. The Blazers need another three-point shooter like Ferrari needs another logo. I mean, they've got enough. I mean, everybody knows it. And I get the five-player. I think it's better to have Nurk able to shoot it than not. I'm not arguing that at all. I think it's cool. He, you know, he's shooting 1.9 a game. Great. I mean, that's I've, and if he's on like he is against Charlotte, oh, oh, I wouldn't stop him. That's that's fantastic. He he helped turn that game around. He really almost won it for them. All thumbs up to all of that. Okay. But, okay, if he's out there, someone needs to be cutting, and the Blazers need to get them the ball. That's not happening. Anthony Simons isn't getting the quality shots he needs, and he's ahead of Nurk in my book. Josh Hart isn't getting shots, period. And he, by the way, could drive. I mean, he's not ahead of Nurk, but he should be parallel with Nurk. Like this whole celebrate the Nurk thing, I I I do want to reward him. I think he's been doing a lot of good things this year, but this is not the thing that's going to open up the Blazers winning. It's a wrinkle. I think it's a minor wrinkle. And again, come back at me, listeners. If in three months Nurk is canning six three points a game and the Blazers are on top of the league, you can come at me. It's fine, and I will take that. By the way, I'd love it. But I think this is kind of like glitter. Uh, on the cupcake, it's a little bit of it is okay, but it's not really edible, and it, it doesn't it doesn't really change it. Just makes it look a little better. So we'll see on that. I mean, yeah, Marlo is probably more correct than I am. That usually happens, but but let's see. <laughs> but now that I hear your case, I kind of I kind of agree with that. I don't think it's going to be something that that takes them from being a first round team to a second round team or anything like that. Um, just because the offense, you know, a Tiger doesn't change his stripes. At the end of the day, when this team gets down, they revert to the iso ball, and they, they it's just it's tough. You don't really see too much of that. So I think it's going to come down to them picking up the right habits and, and just being more efficient at the end of the day. So I, I, I kind of agree with you now that you've kind of given your case on it. Yeah, You know why I might be excited is now I like, obviously, Dame and Nurk pick and roll is classic, and they probably don't do quite enough of that. They could tend to mix that back in. But if Nurk can pick and pop, 
out at the three-point arc, it would keep opponents from crowding Dame on those screens. That would be devastating, like LaMarcus Aldridge with more range. But the thing is, it takes Nurk a long time to set up that shot, and he needs to be really pretty wide open unless he's on a roll. And that's that's part of my critique, too. I get it that the other team is leaving him wide open. That's a good thing. But I bet as soon as that stops, that his success rate plummets as well. And I can envision a playoff series where you're going like, okay, if Nurk just hits this three-pointer, we're going to be okay. And Nurk ain't hitting that three-pointer even when he is open. The Blazers need something else. But, hey, if it gets you through the middle of the season, knock yourself out. Okay, tough questions. Would you be open to trading Anthony Simons? It would absolutely depend on the player. Um, well, let's, like let's say, assume I, I love his... we're, we're not dumping. When I ask these questions, we're not dumping anybody. Okay, this team, as constructed, unless you can tangibly make it better and not go laterally, this team should go into the playoffs like it is. I think we both agree on that, right? There's nothing that needs to be changed about this team right now, like an emergency button or they suck. But if you could conceivably improve uh, with a package that included Anthony Simons and was not necessarily at his position or bought a lot of experience. I mean, let's talk DeMar DeRozan or, you know, somebody that was that was a significant name. Would you be willing to include Anthony Simons in a trade right now? It's tough. That, that's extremely tough <laughs> for for a twenty three year old that's continued to elevate his game every year and is playing at a borderline all star all star value. It'd be tough to do that. But if you're talking about a guy like like I'd say, uh, and this is very unrealistic, but if you're talking about a guy maybe like Gilgis Alexander or something like that, something similar that maybe gets you a little bit higher, I'd be game for that. Um, Demar Derozan, I don't think that he really moves the needle, especially since he's he's in his mid, almost in his mid thirties. Um, and he's kind of proven that sometimes his postseason resume can be a little bit spotty. So it'd be, it'd be tough to kind of, kind of, kind of bank on that. Um, I think if you, if you did do the move, it'd have to be for a, a front court guy. You know what I'm saying? I think when I, when I watched them play against Denver, I noticed that, that Denver doesn't allow them to hide both Lillard and Simons. They bring both of those guys out and make them defend. So it'd have to be a guy that can kind of defend in the perimeter as well. So I, I, I'm like 50 50 on that. <laughs> what about you? Yeah. I mean, I think I would move him because the Shaden Sharp era is going to start sometime and they're not going to trade Lillard. Uh, so, and I don't think that they're going to win it all this year. So you, you put it, you give Shaden Sharp a lot more experience. You start him at shooting guard next year and you strengthen the rest of the team. Sure. But I am reticent for the same reasons you are. And this whole Anthony Simons doesn't belong and he's a bad fit with Dame and blah, blah, blah. We don't know all of that yet. And if he is, part of the problem is also Dame when you're talking defensively. So it's not just Simons. So you're going to have to have a player with a very specific set of skills to to fix that. And I'm not sure you can get that for Simons. So talk about, talking about trading him on that basis is ridiculous, especially because of his age and skills. I don't want to lose him. If the Blazers had to lose him in order to get better now and Sharp had to come in, I wouldn't scream. How about Yusuf Nurkic? Would you be willing to trade him as part of a package on the same basis? Um, I would be more likely to trade him. Um, and I, I love, I love Yusuf Nurkic, but I just feel like the, the, the style in which the Blazers can play, um, you know, a little bit faster pace. I think it, it, you, it, the only way to do that is you'd have to get rid of, you'd have to get rid of Nurkic because he's not going to be a guy that can operate in a fast paced offense. But at the same time, I think it's, it's just like you said earlier, that pick and roll bond between, between Lillard and Nurkic is just so great that it'd be kind of hard to get something that can, 
um, offset that. But if we're talking about maybe getting younger, maybe getting more athletic with a guy like like DeAndre Aiden, I think maybe you take a shot at that. I've seen um, Yaka Proto, different names like that that have kind of floated around the trade deadline. So it'd be tough because of what Nurkic does for this team in, in that in that area. But I, I, the the way the Western Conference is right now, I think you got to take your shot. It's it's as wide open as it's ever been, and and Deliver's talked about the championship. So I think you got to be aggressive. Would you be willing to include Simons in a trade for Aiton? Oh, that, that, that's really tough. Um, I think if I were going to do that, it would have to include it, it'd have to include some more pieces because I don't think you want to run a front court with Nurkic and Aiden. I think that'd be a little bit redundant. We've seen Minnesota well, do that with the two I, bigs. I, I'm thinking like Nurkic and Simons headed to oh, okay, Phoenix. Okay. I, I'd do that if it were uh, Aiden and somebody else. I think you had to get a, a, a equal value there. Yeah. So maybe like Aiden and maybe uh Cam Johnson, something like something like that that kinda kinda evens the two out. So you you would it, have it, to in order to make to... the salaries match anyway. So Yeah. Um so it'd be tough. Jakob Bodel doesn't merit those two. Uh so here's here's a name. I hate to even mention it. It's so pie in the sky, but it's one I think about often. Like an old flame that you go back to. Uh that you never, <laughs> that you never were going out with, but you wish. <laughs> All right, Simons, Nurkic, draft picks for Siakam. Oh, we were almost on. This. I was, I was thinking you were going to say OG and Anobi. Oh, well, I, I mean, we can go, we can go there too. But let's do Siakam <laughs> first because, yeah, that's the that's the woohoo. That would be now. Uh, you're left without a center this year. I mean, you're you're now Eubanks and Justice Winslow are are your centers at this point, and and Walker, uh, but. Would you would you still do that? On that trade, I'm thinking yeah, because um, this Pascal Siakam he's, he's 28, so he's got a lot more a lot more room to grow. Um, and at the same time, we've seen what he can do in the postseason in big games. I think he says the way he plays is is kind of kind of conducive to what the Blazers want to do. And I think you can kind of get by with 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 Siakam and maybe you getting a guy like uh like Trenton Wofford, those guys bringing those guys in and kind of bringing the, letting them go to work. So I think you can kind of get away with that. And this year, Siakam's played a lot of time at center anyway, so you you, you see the the results there. So I think I, I would do I would definitely do that. Yeah, and here's why Toronto Toronto is not doing well uh, this year, and Siakam only has one more year left on his contract. And if you threw in enough picks, that might be a possibility more now than it ever has been before. And they might like Simons, and Nurkic is not bad, and they'd be hoping for future gains there. You know, you'd have the possibility too. I mean, now, if Siakam is going to play, you know, if he can play small forward, then you got Hart available for your center, and you're not going to get a star center, but you can probably get somebody, or you could probably just sign somebody, rent a center. You know, I I might take a couple of G League guys in that lineup. I mean, because you'd have, assuming you kept Hart, uh, you would have Lillard. Simons, Siakam, and Hart as your wings and smalls. With uh, Gary Payton the second, we'll talk about him in a minute, able to spell Lillard. And then you still have Jeremy Grant in your front court and Justice Winslow and some Renta centers. Now, for the power of the first, I would endure the second. You, you sold me on it. I think we need to call Masai Ujiri right now and see if we can make this happen. Um, I, I, I love the, the way that that sounds, having a front court with Siakam and Grant. And hard, and just the ability to be able to switch everything on the pick and rolls on defense, it just be just barring none. I think that we we talked about that for so many years with with Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington, and it just never worked out. Oh, but I think with this group here, you can you can you can kind of make that happen. 
I made a mistake. I, I put Simons in there. I meant Lillard, Sharp, Hart. I, I, I still like that. So, yeah, you got Lillard and you got Hart and you got Sharp and Peyton spelling them. And then you've got Siakam at small forward and Hart can also spell him. And you got Nasir Little when he gets back, hopefully. Uh, and, you, and now you've got Grant and you got Winslow in the front court as well. Uh, good enough for me. Uh, so, sorry, folks, I named Simon. You're screaming at your dashboard or your whatever, your podcast. So, yeah, I mean, I would ta I would, I would definitely take Lillard Hart, Siakam, and, and Sharp and Peyton coming off the bench. It's like, not quite as dynamic offensively, but it's way, way better defensively. Way better. And also, Sharp can fill in some of that. Sharp can do a little bit of Simon's, and it'll only get better as you go along. But I mean, if we're going to play at the slowest pace in the league anyways, you might as well just take your shot on, on, on getting defense and trying to get on transition and changing that a little bit. And that feels kind of like a, a Chauncey Billups-led team with, with guys that can switch across the board. Everybody can rebound. Everybody can handle. Everybody can pass. Like, Siakam's played 60% of his minutes at center this year, and he averages seven assists. So one through five, you have a guy that can just move the ball around. And, and, that, and, that, and then the Hornets game, you, you notice that's one great sign of a, a team that's playing with ball movement when everybody's kind of switching up. On defense, so I think it's it's something that you definitely want to try, um, and give that give 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 that idea some thought. So I, I'm I'm on board with that 100. It makes some sense for Toronto as well if they're not going to win right now. I mean, they've still got Van Vliet, right, and they still got OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes, and now they add Yusuf Nurkic, but now more importantly, they add Anthony Simons to that, and they have Gary Trent Jr. So now they they are really pretty stocked, honestly. I mean, Van Vliet, uh, Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr., Anthony Simons, that's a lot of punching power. And you can run those guys in the one, twos, and threes, right? And then you've, you've got Barnes and you've got uh, Nurkic. In the Eastern Conference, I think that, you know, that would... They're, they're not quite Boston, but they're not bad. I don't think they got that much worse, let's put it that way, if Siakam's going to leave anyway. Yeah, I think it's, it's something that you can kind of uh, toggle around and you can kind of get something that works for both teams. And this is the time of year where I think it's, it's ripe for finding teams that are kind of panicking, teams that don't know if they want to sign their guys back. So you can you can be a little bit more aggressive with that. And just the Blazers and Ra the Raptors, they have a little history of trading with each other too. So I think it, it definitely makes sense with, you know, Gary Trent Jr., Norman Powell, guys like that. So um, I'm not sure. How much how much talk is going into this outside of this podcast? But I'd, I'd definitely be on board for for even just considering that idea for sure. Well, I mean that's why we go first, right? I mean, yeah, you might first. as well get used to this. This has been <laughs> happening for years. You should have heard Dan and I back in the day. We were like six months ahead of everybody, which is when everybody says that's bull crap. What the hell are you making up? And six months later, it's like, yeah, we've already talked about this so much. It's not even <laughs> we don't even talk about it when it happens. Anyway, uh, let's end up with this. There are Gary Payton conspiracy theories growing strong in Portland now that, oh my gosh, he's never going to play. Uh, this whole thing is way worse than we thought. Uh, they keep pushing it back for a reason. It, it's, it's like uh, some kind of, uh, you know, vaporware in, uh, you know, computer software. You keep hoping this game is going to come out and they say Christmas 2022. Nope. Spring 2023. Nope. You know, winter 2024. Now we got a new system. So we got to start way over, you know, for this new updated console. Is Gary Payton going to play? Is there anything more to this other than he just is taking time to recover? 
my when I first seen it, my first thought was, okay, pulling just seen Damian Lillard deal with the, the core injury, the abdomen injury, and they were like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna play it safe. But that's just my speculation. You know, they were saying that he's gonna be ready for training camp. Gave him a three year deal, almost thirty million. So I, I I'm thinking that sooner or later he's gonna come back. And I think it's kind of reassuring the fact that he he did practice in full on uh, was it Tuesday. So he's he's getting closer and closer, but it's 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 tough to kind of to know without being in the locker room. It's hard to kind of know what's going on. But I just I I don't know. I thought that this I thought we'd have been talked about him by now. Yeah, I mean, if you read the comments on the latest, you know, because he was maybe going to play against Golden State, which is tomorrow as we are talking. Yesterday, as you are hearing this podcast, and I mean, there's literally strong comments in the section saying he's he's never going to play he's just trade bait he's he's not going to suit up in portland and i'm just kind of gobsmacked by this i don't think that he was signed to not play i don't think that he was signed as an extraneous player he fills a critical role for the blazers and they were depending on that I don't, I cannot fathom the Blazers signing him to not play him and to trade him. It, do you think there's any chance that that is going on? No, I, normally you can't even trade players that quickly, can you? Like, is this, is this, is this, um, his, his contract like can come up. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, uh, January here, I think. Okay. Yeah. I knew something was coming up, but it's just, he, he fits the, the way Portland kind of gets their guard so, so well. It's just a confusing situation all around, but I, I think that I'm, I'm going to give it maybe a week or two before I panic on it because it's, it's, it's getting close. He did practice, so. You literally signed him because of his tenacity. This is the guy who would back down from no one. This is a guy who yeah. say, you know what? Have me guard the center. I'll do it, right? Uh, put me on the team's opposing score. He's never going to touch the ball. And by the way, Wait, let's talk a little bit about what GP2 can bring, uh, because that's a separate subject. But if, unless you completely misread that, and by the way, Gary Payton, first of all, he's been a chronic role player his whole life. It's not like he's star-powering the Blazers. I'm too good for this. Um, he's worked for everything he's gotten. This is his first big contract, and he can't go to sleep on it, I hope. Uh, unless you completely misread him and everything up to this point that he's demonstrated in the league has been just a big lie. There's nothing more to this story than he's taking a while to get back. Uh, I I don't understand the other part. Do you think GP2 brings to the Blazers something that no one else does right now? And if so, what is that? Um, I think that we talked about it a little bit before, just this being a, a, a 99th percentile pick and roll defender. You know, and I think that the Blazers, you can never really have too many of those guys. I think that the Blazers have guys that can that can play with energy and play with intensity. But sometimes that energy and intensity doesn't lead to, you know, the smart defensive play and whatnot. So having a guy like that, I think you can you can't underestimate, you know, the, the power of having championship pedigree, which he brings from Golden State. Um, switchability on and, and the level he brings defensively, I think you, you can't really replace that. So I think it'd be great to have right now with all of the injuries that the Portland uh, Portland has had as of late. So No, he's He's aggressive, and he can do something when he gets there. And this has been my critique of the Blazers for a long time. Even when they have defenders, they're kind of almost polite. I mean, like, they can get to the spot, 
but what are they going to do when they get there? They're intimidating no one. You know, knock, knock. You know, can I share with you news of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? No, slam them and <laughs> dunks, right? Okay, this guy is going to get in your grill. Uh, how, how many times have you said this season, gosh, they need to deny this guy the ball? Like, if someone else is going hot, it's like, you can't stop him once he catches it. Deny him the ball. And players kind of get there and try it, and they might pull it off for a play. But you just lose track of the defender. You don't even see the Portland defender anymore. You just see the ball going to the guy you didn't want to get it. It's like, okay, you cannot ignore Gary Payton like that. He will play ball denial. He will get up in your grill and get his hand in your dribble. He will stay with you. He will... Again, Justice Winslow, I pointed this out. Shai Gildress Alexander, remember that shot? The game winner, Oklahoma City won, right? Winslow's a good defender. Winslow's bigger than Gildress Alexander. Winslow can do a little bit. But you know what? That's exactly the situation that Gary Payton should have been in. Because Winslow, as good as he is, is still reacting to the play. He's not dictating the play. He couldn't deny the ball. When Gilgis Alexander started to drive, Winslow had to respect that and go with him, right? So he takes a step back when uh, Gilgis Alexander takes a step forward, and then Gilgis Alexander steps back, and Winslow can't cover it, and it's an open shot, okay? Gary Payton, first of all, is doing everything he can to make sure that Gilgis Alexander doesn't get that catch. Second of all, when he does get that catch, he's two inches from his face, and his arms are up there, right? And and third of all, when the jab step is there, there's no jab step because Peyton's already in that spot. And when the step back is there, Peyton is contesting because Peyton is the one player on this roster that I have some confidence in being able to transform a defensive play instead of just go along with it. The Blazers can't give up on this guy. Blazer fans shouldn't give up on this guy. He's just what the team needs. And you've got to believe that it's going to come through until it's proven that it doesn't. I think the way you said it, I can't really say it any better than that. I've counted two or three times just this week where I'm like, man, it'd be nice to have a, a guy that can go on a perimeter and defend at, at a, a super high level. Um, you know, with Shea Gilgis Alexander. And then the week before that, I think it was, uh, who was that? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray just, yeah. You can't stop it. So I'm, I'm thinking like, we've already paid him too, so I just got to give him a chance. And I think Portland puts so much pressure on a guy like Jeremy Grant where he has to go out and defend the Opposition's best point guard, and in the postseason, I think like if you're facing a team with with length, that means you're putting either Lillard or Simons on a forward, and that's just it's tough to live like that, especially if they can kind of attack that. So, having a guy where you can put Peyton on him and, and bring Grant up to a forward, I think is is is, is huge positionally. So, it's, definitely think that we we we're patient, we can kind of reap the benefits from that. So, it's one of the great conundrums of this season. It's like these two forwards are probably the best defending two forwards the Blazers have had in a long time. Where is it, though? Where is it? You know, First of all, you don't notice it in the aggregate stats and the team-wide stats. And second of all, you, you notice Grant sometimes and Hart sometimes, but it's not consistent, right? There's no real demonstrable point-of-attack fireworks going on on the defensive end, okay? It's like they're both good defenders, but they're in, you know, waist-deep in jello, and there's only so much that they can do. Well, where is that jello coming from? It's the pressure exactly the pressure that you just described. All right, hey, forwards, go out and guard point guards. Oh, oh, okay, well, I'll do that. Oh, but also, you haven't got a backstop behind you because Nurkic is not a real shot blocker, and we don't know entirely if he'll be there. And Drew Eubanks, bless his heart, is probably not going to be able to cover every play. So also, watch your back. 
right? And watch everybody else's back, too, because we might need you to rotate. All right, now you've just taken my good defense and used it at a point of attack on a quicker guy than me that I have to watch driving and shooting, and also I have to watch my back at the rim, and also I have to watch your back at the rim. Nobody's going to defend well. It's like taking a guy who studied for calculus and making him take three tests at once, calculus, history, and literature. All right, I'm going to do great, okay, at all of them, but I can't. You should let me take one at a time. Gary Payton, can take away one of those things from the forwards, which is not just going to make that point of defense better where Peyton is. It's going to allow them to do one less thing, which means they'll be able to devote more energy and attention into the two other things. Automatically, you're going to see this lift. Now, I'm not pretending he's going to play 30 minutes a game. He's not. But in those critical situations or in crunch time, this can make an outsized difference. Don't write him off unless you have to. I can just feel the passion in what you just said. Like I, I, <laughs> I can't say it better. Energy can only get you so far, and you have to have the guys that know how to do it. So, well, I've been trying. To, I've been trying to answer this all season. I mean, it's <laughs> and it's kind of come clear in what you said. I've thought about it a little bit before, but it's coming clear right now. Okay, Jeremy Grant is supposed to look better than he does. Josh Hart is better than he's looking right now, and it's not them. They didn't change. It's the gaps around them and all the things they have to do. Now, by the way. <sighs> Love you, Nurk, even though you blocked me on Twitter. Uh, look, shot blocking, defense, stout defense in the lane would also do this. And it's another critical area for the Blazers to address if you want those forwards to look everything that they can be on defense. That's my spiel. I think the trade deadline can do part of it, but I think getting Gary Payton back will do at least some. That's well said. <laughs> Anything more going on with this team that we haven't talked about? I'm just really excited about what's to come in January. Uh, I recall that they've got 11 out of 15 at home, um, and they've they've survived like the hardest parts. We always bring that up. They survived the hardest parts of their schedule. Um, they're playing at the Motor Center. Hopefully, that means they get out in transition. You know, I, I'm going to beat that drum until they they. I don't know. I don't think they're going to hear this, but hopefully, they do. Uh, you de- definitely want to see that. This is their best start to a season since 2021. 20, so. Inspiring, and, and, and Western Conference is wide open, so I'm just really excited to see how all that's going to play out over the next couple of weeks. I agree with a marginal percentage that the schedule is going to give them an easier time, and they're automatically going to get a few more wins. But their propensity to piss away those wins, sorry, folks, but I mean, <laughs> with bad quarters and subpar effort, and, and and again, we should beat this drum. Injuries are you don't understand. Look, okay, you're going to take away some bench players. What do you what do you not want to lose? Well, I don't want to lose Gary Payton. Okay, well, he hasn't shown up yet. Okay, well, then I really better not lose Justice Winslow, too, because he's a, oh, gone. All right, well, can Nasir Little? Nope. All right, who's left? I mean, Keon Johnson is your best defender off the bench, folks. I mean, that's that's what's left. So you should not be surprised that the starters are playing big minutes and it's not looking real good right now. But even saying that, we need more consistency. We need a better effort, or the schedule is not going to help them because they showed that they were capable of losing to Charlotte at home. And uh, it took a career performance from Nurkic from the three point arc to bail them out of that. Okay. They, um, they cannot depend on the schedule to automatically make them better. I hope they don't. I hope actually they get behind Lillard and Hart a little bit because I think those two have the, the right, they understand what's going on. 
and everybody else fall in line and and really go for it. If they attack this schedule, I think they can do real well. But if they do not attack it, I think they're going to end up with the same oatmeal, you know, no, not even oatmeal, cream of wheat almost, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that they've gotten so far. And they have the potential to be schedule agnostic, and that worries me. Yeah, it's definitely worrisome because we talked about how important it was to survive getting to this point in the schedule. Um, and it, it just, they haven't taken advantage of it. I remember we talked in our last podcast about how they had golden opportunities to beat uh, the Thunder and the Rockets and whatnot. Then you dropped two in a row in, in Oklahoma City in 2022. That's not a good sign. Um, and any more injuries, me and you are going to have to go out there and suit up in a minute. So we got to just hope they can get healthy. Um, and, and maybe maybe they take a chance on somebody in free agency or whatnot. Um, but I, I just hoping that they take advantage of the, that's that's crazy because they did so well at this at the, at the beginning of the year uh beating teams under 500 they were like eight and three at, last time i checked so uh it's been a little bit of a struggle for them as of late but hopefully they can get back on track yeah schedule agnosticism is no it's only fun when you're 10 and four <laughs> it's no fun when you go yeah. six and 12 after all right it's eight and 12 actually but so uh before we go uh tomorrow at golden state hosting detroit on monday at and then, gosh, another mini road trip at Minnesota on Wednesday begins it. So at Golden State, home versus Detroit, at Minnesota, three games. What's what's the record in those three? I think you know me. Uh, it doesn't really matter what happens. I'm always optimistic about this group because I, I, I've seen them at their best. I've seen them at their worst. I'm going 3-0. I'm going 3-0. I think that they uh, take advantage of the four-day layoff, get well rested. I think it, this team with rest, I think they're a different group. So I think they're going to go into Golden State, beat them. They're going to go into Detroit, get a win over them, and, and, and finish it off in Minnesota 3-0. and Last time I predicted that, it didn't go well, but got to roll the dice. That's all right. They'll make up for it. Yeah, well, I think Golden State, I think Portland's guards might go off big time. I could see, you know, 35 from Lillard and 28 from Simons, and there we go. So, uh I, I I think that could be a sneaky win, but they might lose one of them. Uh, so I'll go two and one. If they go one and two, I'm going to be a bit disappointed because the rest of the road trip doesn't necessarily get easier. You got Indiana after that and then Toronto before you got a homestand. But even that homestand is Orlando, Cleveland, Dallas, Dallas. So, I mean, oh, yeah. the coming home is not necessarily going to be easier. And then you got to go at Denver, host Philadelphia, host the Lakers, which Lakers, eh. But you know what? LeBron's always LeBron if he's still playing. San Antonio, Utah, Toronto, Atlanta, Memphis. You, you Look, you're not – you got a lot of home games in January comparatively, but you don't necessarily have easy teams. So win the ones this week. So 3-0 from Marlo, 2-1 from Dave. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope we will have a wonderful time uh, reporting on all kinds of wins next week. And then after that, we will get seriously into the trade deadlines because rumors are going to percolate. For Marlo Ferguson, I'm Dave Deckard. We will see you again next Saturday.